Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, my apologies to those of you I have left on hold for so long. I got a lot to say today. Just be patient. I will get to you. Right now, what I really, truly, genuinely want to do is talk about the early voting numbers. I want you to know that for subscribers of my daily email, I have done a pretty good deep dive today in the trends through the weekend. And if you want to read about it, you can text the word data to 33777 uh, to get access. you got to be a paid subscriber for this one because it was a lot of work. I got it done, but um, I, I just, I got to reward those of you who have become um, longtime subscribers of the email and give you something no one else gets. So text data to 33777. I will give the general overview here. I don't have time for the deep dive. And I do want to take your phone calls. I really will. And I'll start the segment 877-973-7425. But let me give you the general overview. It's bad for Democrats. Uh, in Georgia, typically for Democrats to be doing well, they need to build up a margin before today. And the reason they've got to build up a big margin is because the last week of early voting in Georgia has been going on for three weeks now. And the last Monday for early voting begins a Republican surge. If the Democrats have built up their margins significantly uh, headed into Election Day, they've got some cushioning for the Republican wave that comes on Election Day where Republicans tend to vote bigger. The problem in Georgia is that not only have they not, but even though black voting has increased, the number of white voters showing up to vote is so significant that the black vote is below 30%. In fact, it started out at about 38%, and by the end of the first week was down to 26%. It stayed at 26%. Uh, given souls to the polls on the weekend where black churches tend to motivate black voters to go vote, it increased up to about 29%. That's not good for black voting. Additionally, Darty County in South Georgia, that's Albany, Georgia. It is down. Uh, there's no big Democratic surge there. That's an area Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock have put a lot of effort into turning out. It's not there. In Bibb County, Macon, Georgia, Raphael Warnock is running advertisements of him in Macon, Georgia, with voters from middle Georgia, and their turnout is down. Richmond County, Georgia, that's Augusta, Georgia. Uh, Abrams and Warnock have put a lot of effort into turning out voters there, and they're not turning out. Clark County, Georgia is the University of Georgia, home to all the liberal academics in Georgia. They're not turning out at significant rates, black or white. But Oconee, Georgia, which is next door to Clark County, big turnout. Green County, Georgia, which is a very wealthy Republican enclave, a big turnout. Columbia County, outside of Richmond County, near Augusta, big Republican area, big turnout. Houston County, the heart of the GOP in middle Georgia, big turnout. Uh, Lee County, where the, the uh, white uh, suburban voters live outside Darty County down in Albany, big turnout. You're seeing Republican areas turn out. Parts of North Georgia that did not turn out in the 2021 runoff are seeing early voting exceeding 100% of 2020 and 2021, which means that the voters who did not turn out in the 2021 runoff, 427,205 of them, 
They're turning out. And that's just Georgia. And that's bad news for Warnock in a very close race. It's bad news for Abrams. The Democratic machine is broken down. But let's pivot from Georgia. In Florida, Republicans are setting turnout records. Early voting turnout records in Georgia or in Florida. The, the, the early vote in Florida is just off the charts for the GOP. Uh, in Florida, Republicans, remember the way Florida works, the way Florida works is bigger states turn out earlier, small, bigger state, bigger counties, smaller rural counties have reduced early voting. There aren't a lot of people. They spread it out. So last week there were 14 counties that were starting to come online. They came online by the weekend. Before those 14 counties, all of which were Republican, even started voting, Republicans were ahead of Democrats in Florida by a significant margin. They ended the first week down by 2,000 votes in Miami-Dade County. They're now ahead of Democrats in Miami-Dade County. In the state of Oregon, a state where the Democrats are worried they could lose the governor's mansions, they have vote by mail. Republicans are at 19.2% of return ballots. Democrats are only 16.9%. Unaffiliated 7%. That, that's of, of the total possibility of voters. Republicans are leading in Oregon right now. In Nevada, the Democrats in Reno and Las Vegas, that's your Democratic hubs. Republicans control the rest of the state. But Nevada, Clark County, Nevada, which is Las Vegas, accounts for most of the vote in Las Vegas. Let me just give you perspective on what's happening in Nevada right now. In 2020, Joe Biden won the state by slightly more than two points. To get to that two-point vote margin, Joe Biden and the Democrats had to build up a a firewall of 15% more votes than Republicans in Clark County, Nevada. Now, Republicans did not come in significantly in the rest of the state in 2020. So Democrats not only had a 15-point margin uh, more Democrats voted than Republicans and early voted in Nevada by 15%, but Republicans statewide were low. This is one reason so many people know that Nevada was not actually stolen, uh, contrary to the claims of some, because you could actually see who got ballots and who returned ballots. Now, you can quibble with, and it's true, Democrats changed, took advantage of COVID and made it mail-in uh, for everybody, which was wrong. They shouldn't have done it. Uh, but the Democrats returned more ballots than Republicans. And Nevada, Clark County, had a 15 percentage point lead in early voting. Republicans around the state of Nevada this time are exceeding their 2020 turnout. Republicans around the state of Nevada are exceeding their 2020 turnout. And in Clark County, Nevada, the Democrats only have a nine percentage point advantage over the GOP. It looked really good the first week of early voting in Clark County. Democrats were a little bit ecstatic. They had turned out so many people. But then the Republican vote started coming in, and the Democrats need at least 15 percentage points in Clark County to ensure they've won, particularly when other parts of the state are so heavily Republican now. And they're only getting to 9%. That is very bad for the Democrats in Nevada. In Pennsylvania, there's been a good turnout. The problem is, percentage-wise, it's not. Impressively, I mean, it looks like it's an impressive number, but the early voting in Nevada or in Pennsylvania looks like they held until after the debate. That's bad for the Democrats because of what happened to John Fetterman in the debate. 
John Fetterman in the debate did not look like he was good or competent or able to speak or process language. He looked like the media had been covering for him. All of the polling after that debate has turned decisively towards Dr. Oz. And many of the people who vote in Pennsylvania waited until that debate. Early voting for Pennsylvania Democrats is down. That's not good for Democrats, which means most of those people who vote early waited for that debate to happen. In Texas, the Democrat vote is down. The vote overall is down. Only 5% of early voters are young voters. That's terrible news for Beto O'Rourke. That's the constituency with which he does best. No one expects him to win at this point, but that he's only uh, 5% of young voters under 30 have shown up is really bad for him. That's bad for Democrats everywhere in Texas. In Louisiana, historically, the Republicans in every election since early voting became a thing have never, ever in the history of the state of Louisiana exceeded the Democrat early voting turnout. This year, they are. That's another headwind marker. Now, no one doubts the GOP is going to win anyway, but the Democrats typically win early voting. That they're not this time for the first time in history is bad. In Arizona, Democratic early voting is trending down, which is not good for Mark Kelly. Uh, it's still good. It's given Democrats some hope that Blake Master or that uh, Blake Masters can't win. But Republicans are encouraged as well that Kerry Lake definitely looks like it, and it's so close, Blake Masters might be able to pull it off. Around the country, we're seeing the same thing. Democratic early voting is not nearly as strong as it has been historically. Black voting is not nearly as strong as it has been in the last couple of years, 2018 and 2020, percentage-wise. And Republican voting is stronger than it was in 2018 or 2020 across the nation. You can't really interpret a ton from early voting because patterns can change. But as I've said repeatedly, if you go to the grocery store and every time you need ketchup, you buy Heinz. And every time you need toilet paper, you buy Charmin. You're, you're a creature of habit. And so early voters are the same way. If you vote early every election, you're going to vote early this election. Democrats tend to be the creatures of habit who vote early. Republicans tend to be the creatures of habit who vote on election day. The only thing Democrats have for themselves right now is to curl up in the fetal position and say, oh, we're going to show up. We're going to show up on election day. We're going to be there on election day. We promise we're going to be there on election day. But as people are creatures of habit, the creatures of habit who vote early aren't voting early. And that is a problem for the Democratic Party. In Georgia in particular, it does make me feel more confident Herschel Walker can win this thing without a runoff. At this point, I don't see how Herschel Walker loses. He could get into a runoff. But I'm becoming increasingly convinced he could win, even with a, a, a vote for the Libertarian. Those of you who are thinking of voting for the Libertarian do need to understand all you're doing is extending the race in Georgia uh, another month. So you'll be subjected to the political ads. So if you just want to protest vote, that's fine. Just understand you're going to prolong the election in Georgia by a month. Otherwise, vote for Walker and get it over with now. Now, that's my analysis of early voting. Not good for Democrats anywhere in the country. Let's go take a phone call. As I promised, uh, I want to go first to Tony. Welcome to the show, Tony. Hey, how you doing today? Good. How are you? Uh, okay, I, I got a few things I want to say. Um, you know, when they mention, you know, like thirty percent of black vote has already voted, and you have to also think that uh, that thirty percent is not all voting for Democrats. You know, so because you know there's a lot of black people that's doing bad right now, worse than the norm, and so you know they can't just you know throw Obama out there on the TV and 
you know, and and when he's done, he gets on his private jet and go back to mop the vineyards and leave us, everybody else, struggling for gas. And But since he's on the stage and he's saying vote Democrat, I should forget my gas, my food prices, bills all high. They just, they keep disrespecting the black vote and it's just not going to work that way anymore. So that 30% is not all Democrat. You know, we're tired, man. Right. We, you know, I mean... It's just not going so, to yeah, like well, You know, I'm glad you said that, Tony. I'm glad you called in because about a third of black men are voting for Herschel Walker and Brian Kemp. Uh, and so a predominance of the 30% of, of uh, the black vote in early voting, a larger percentage than normal is black men. 33% of them are voting for Kemp and Walker. That's really bad for the Democrats. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm just... We're not robots. I mean, you got to give us more than abortion. And, you know, I mean, Obama has not gone through anything what we're going through right now. I, I right. just, you know, I'm spending $80, $100 to fill up my van. I mean, to go to work. I mean, I'm a plumber. I mean, materials through the roof. I'm losing jobs because people just can't afford to get the job done. I mean, it's, it's, and, you yeah. know, I mean, he's going to what, a couple of mansions around the country to live in private jets, limousines, you know, eating at the best restaurants. I mean, it's just not, I mean, we're yeah, doing well, it. It's not good right now. I, I, if one, I, I thank you very much for calling. I got to let you go there because I got to go to commercial. But two, I, I'm glad you said that because it kind of reinforces something I've thought. Uh, sending Barack Obama out on the campaign trail on a private jet from Martha Vineyard, taking his limousine everywhere to speak, probably was not the optics that Democrats needed to have. Uh, particularly when Joe Biden has been so unrelatable on the campaign trail. It's not a good way to close this race. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country, fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go back to the phones. John, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, Eric. How's it going? Good. What's uh, going on? Two questions. Uh, first one's hypothetical. We speak of this right away. Voting numbers are looking good uh, in in uh, in the red state's favor. Uh, hypothetical, your reasoning, what if it doesn't happen? Because I've wow. always been suspect of this. Hey, it's going to be a couple of days till we get all these votes counted up, but just give us a couple of days. I've always been suspect of that. Yeah. Okay. What's going on in those couple of days? So I, well, yeah, look, I, I understand that gives people questions, particularly as in Brazil, for example, they could count several million votes in three hours and tell you who it was. Um, the, the difference between having a, a unified uh, executive federal power of elections versus each individual state doing it. Uh, the question really becomes, where does it take delay? Florida, for example, will know very quickly. Georgia, will, will we will know overnight. Um, Texas will know overnight. It's in deep blue states like California and New York, 
where there will be problems because it's what they do. Pennsylvania is going to have some problems because they refuse to change their law uh, to allow the counting of early votes before uh, the polls close on Election Day. Uh, And so there will be people who will claim the shift. I think, though, what we're going to have to assess is where is the problem? If it's a national problem, then nationally we'll be able to say, look, everybody got this wrong, and turns out probably some of the liberal polls were right. Uh, If it's universal across the board, Republican states and Democrat states. If it is states where uh, all the polling shows there's a wave and yet it doesn't happen, uh, we need to assess the particular nature of those states before we decide it's hanky-panky. I do think you're going to see nefariousness. The question is, is nefariousness enough to change the outcome of the election? Uh, What will the Clark County Democrats do and how will the poll workers and operators operate? Uh, What about in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? The GOP has an obligation as well to have poll watchers in those areas and uh, have direct phone lines to federal judges who can intervene and issue injunctions. Uh, I do think that when Democrats have been saying democracy is under assault, you are going to find some Democrats who do nefarious things. The question, however, comes back to the same question of 2020. Is it enough to alter the outcome of the election? And there's never been any evidence in 2020 that there was enough. I'll be surprised to see if there's any in 2022. Uh, Bad things always happen in elections. I was an elections lawyer. They're just rarely ever enough to change the outcome of major elections. At the local level, yes, but not at the national level. Uh, Too much spotlight. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Do I have time? No. Um, Gary, I promise you when we come back from break, Gary, I will get to your phone call. You've been waiting patiently. I want to get to your call and others, but I I only have about 15, 20 seconds here. So when we come back, I want to take your phone calls. There is other news we do have to talk about out there, though. Um, There's just so much going on, including uh, the Democrats suddenly realizing they finally, surprisingly, have a problem with, guess what? Working class voters. Yes, they're starting to freak out about it and Hispanic voters. The holidays are the most exciting time of year. And if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep. Every single night, particularly before your kids wake you up early during the holidays. My goodness gracious. It's easier than it sounds, though. You need the softest, most luxurious, organic cotton sheets from Bowling Branch. Their sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They make a difference. You can truly feel night after night. Forget the script that they gave me to read. Y'all, let me just tell you, Bowling Branch... I sleep on their sheets, and they get softer every single time I wash them. They are so soft at this point. Like, they start out, and they're fine. They're good sheets. You can tell they've got a nice weight to them. They've got a good thread count. The quality of the fabric is is very nice. But the more you wash them, the more you realize how good they are because they get softer, but they don't fray. That makes a real difference. I can tell you, I sleep on Bowling Branch sheets. I bought them myself even. They didn't send them to me as an advertiser. I actually bought them. We've been buying them for a while. They're towels and other things as well. But their signature sheets, they come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box for you. Your gifts are going to look great. You can give these sheets to people you love. Bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with Bowling Branch Bedding. For a limited time, 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code ERIC, bowlandbranch.com. 
Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425, as promised. I want to go to Gary. Welcome to the show, Gary. Hey, Eric, how are you today? I'm good, how are you? I am doing great. I was wondering if you thought that uh, President Biden might have elected uh, Tudor Dixon to Michigan with his uh, serial comments. You know, it is closer there than the Democrats would like. They have redeployed resources to help Gretchen Whitmer. The polling has collapsed there. And in New York, um, both of them have seen polling collapse. It wouldn't surprise me. For those of you who aren't familiar with what Gary's talking about, the president the other day literally said things aren't that bad because you can always buy cheaper cereal. Um, now, listen, I don't want you. Hang on. I've still got this clip. Let me find this clip. Um because it's it's worth you hearing it from the president so that you don't think I made this up. Because I know how some of you are. Play us the clip or you think I, I made it up. Uh, this is the president of the United States of America talking the other day. The main driver of food prices is not the price of beef and eggs, etc. They're up. It's packaged goods. Packaged goods. You're going to see people not buying Kellogg's. Uh, raisin bran, which you're going to see them buy another raisin bran, which is going to be a dollar cheaper. I mean, so what's happening is there is real movement. So you've got him saying people are going to buy Kellogg's, which is a Michigan staple. They're going to buy other cheaper brands. I mean, the dirty little secret is most of the major brands are the ones also making the generics. But at the same time, um, I don't think this is going to be a good thing. I just don't think that Joe Biden uh, telling Americans, hey, you can go buy a different brand than what you want is is going to be. Can you imagine telling the Duke's mayonnaise people to go buy another brand of mayonnaise? This, For those of you who don't understand what I'm talking about here, uh, there's a brand of mayonnaise made in South Carolina called Duke's. If you are an old school Southerner, you either use Duke's or Hellman's and it's fighting words between them. None of them use blue plate. Well, some people use blue plate, the weird ones. We use Hellman's in our house because it's what my grandmother used, my wife and her grandmother used. Um, Dukes was was a regional South Carolinian. But in the South these days, Dukes has largely taken over the mayonnaise market. And people, believe it or not, have strongly held opinions on mayonnaise, liking it or hating it, and if liking it, which brand? The same holds true for Heinz and Hunt's ketchup. Uh, there, there are people without taste who buy Hunt's ketchup, and then there are the rest of Americans who buy the perfect, perfect spread of ketchup, Heinz. Uh, Heinz is actually widely considered the perfect condiment. Like in every way, Heinz is the perfect condiment. Uh, you don't trust people who don't eat Heinz ketchup because there's something off with them. I say that lovingly because my wife prefers it's the way she was raised. But nonetheless, um, but you have a brand. You have brand loyalty. You have brand loyalty to your mayonnaise. You have brand loyalty to your mustard. You have brand loyalty to your ketchup. You have brand loyalty to your uh, cereal. You have brand loyalty if you're a smoker to your cigarette. You have brand loyalty to your toilet paper. There are people in the country who are um, cautious shoppers. They're, they're they maybe they're Dave Ramsey advocates or the like, and they go to Aldi or Little and and the different grocery stores and they buy the in-house brand. There are people who have convinced themselves that the generics are just as good as the name brands. I have to tell you, as someone who once thought that, 
The brown sugar generic Pop-Tart is disgusting. I don't care whether it's the Publix brand or the Kroger brand or the generic Walmart brand. Uh, the the Kellogg's Pop-Tart is superior in every way, shape, and form, in toastability, in eatability, in flavor, in taste. All of that is superior. But for Joe Biden, the president of the United States, to essentially tell you that the economy is doing good and it's okay because if your Kellogg price has gone up, well, you can go uh, get the cheap inferior one. That's not good. That's that's rather tone deaf. It's rather tone deaf in that it suggests he's out to lunch. Here's another clip from the president over the weekend. Since the election, we've been we're taking gas prices down from where they were. He keeps saying that gas prices are down. In fact, he said that $7 gallons of gasoline have been the norm in California for years. And he also suggested that um, gas prices are lower now than they were when he took office. All of that is false. All of that is false. It is simply not true to say these things. And as he says them... Voters around the country really are listening to this. The undecideds, who are the undecideds? Undecideds tend to be uh, white women in the suburbs. And they're shifting pretty rapidly to the GOP, the New York Times poll, even as it showed Democratic advantages in some parts of the country. Uh, The Atlanta Journal poll, uh, the Rasmussen poll, the CBS Battleground poll, they all show independent voters breaking hard at the end to the GOP. Here's Ed O'Keefe on CBS Face the Nation. Uh, I watched Maloney this week actually make that exact argument to a bunch of seniors in an assisted living facility. He says, if you don't think they might come after your Social Security and Medicare, look what they just did to abortion rights after 50 years of threatening to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's kind of a a way to make both arguments at the same time but not make an explicit abortion argument. And that's the kind of pivoting that they've done here, now realizing that abortion isn't as urgent an issue. Part of the reason, one Republican I talked to this week said, look, you go look at uh, mothers across the country who may be concerned about abortion rights, uh, but they're not necessarily bumping up against the issue of abortion rights every day. They're bumping up against the fact that beef is costing three times as much as it did before. And those more urgent economic issues may be what's yeah. drawing people back over to the Republican side. You know, there's a real problem for Democrats here well, on the abortion issue. It doesn't impact you on a daily basis. How many of you went out yesterday and got an abortion? I mean, I don't actually mean that as a crass, flippant comment. How many of you went out yesterday and got an abortion? Now, how many of you went out and filled up your car with gas yesterday? How many of you went to the grocery store yesterday? See the point? More of you did the latter, too, than the former. In fact, all of you listening nationwide, the two or three million of you listening right now, who went out and had an abortion yesterday, um, if you quadrupled your numbers, you still don't meet the number who filled up their car with gas yesterday, let alone went to the grocery store. The real-world economics of grocery bills and gas prices are weighing on people way more than those social cultural issues. On top of that... The voters who are the undecided voters, this is something Democrats seem to have forgotten. The voters who are the undecided voters at the end of the day, they don't consider themselves cultural voters, even though they are. People have been programmed to believe 
that abortion is a culture war issue. The reality is that people get turned off by culture war issues. And so at the end of the day, voters don't want to engage on that issue because they find it to be one of those icky issues where if, you, if you're voting on it, you're a culture warrior. Well, I'm not a culture warrior. Therefore, I don't want to vote on that issue. I'm going to vote on crime, I'm, even though crime is actually a cultural issue. I'm going to vote on the economy. And so these end-of-the-term end undecided voters in the run-ups to the midterms who don't consider themselves culture warriors, they get turned off by the abortion comedy, even though they may actually lean pro-abortion, and all the data shows they do, they don't consider themselves voters who want to fight on the culture front, they want to fight on the economic front, and so that issue actually flips them to the economic front. Joe Biden over the weekend tweeted that if he can take the Senate and the House, the very first law he will sign is one making abortion the law of the land, ratifying Roe v. Wade through legislation. Uh, that is fatal in a lot of areas in the country. It will motivate Republicans and turn off independents, and yet that's the way they decided to do it. That's not smart politics. 877-973-7425. Linda, I want to go to you next. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you. I appreciate you hearing my voice. <laughs> sure. I appreciate everything you're saying. I want to know if we take the House and the Senate, which it's looking good, promising for the Republicans, can we do away with the Department of Education, PBS, and some of these that are sucking our economy for the Democrats? And our education system is failing. We all know that. And uh, we can do better. We're better people than this. PBS is just one-sided. And then the military, their budget, I'm all military. My husband's retired military. But they're spending $21 million to change the name of military bases. And if that's not one of the biggest waste of money, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, Nobody listen. really cares. No, yeah, look, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, nobody but the wokes really care on that. I, I think when Republicans come in, this is the problem, Linda. You raise a great question here. When Republicans take back control of Congress, there's a fiscal, fiscal crisis waiting for them. Uh, multiple members of Congress have been telling me, going back to when Paul Ryan was Speaker of the House of Representatives, the thing that kept him awake at night is when the Federal Reserve starts raising interest rates because that increases the debt service payment on the national debt. And that eats into the amount of discretionary spending in the federal budget. And that reduces the amount of money that can go to anything else. And we can't raise taxes because that would kill the economy. We got to cut. Well, what do you cut? I think Congress is going to have to start cutting things like um, the woke spending at the DOD. They're going to have to cut uh, departments out of the federal government. They're going to have to cut spending. They're going to have to make some serious cuts. Now, Republicans don't want to talk about cuts before they win because they don't want to spook voters. But the reality is there's a fiscal crisis waiting for them. When they get back, it's one they themselves helped cause. And now they're finally going to have to deal with it. By the way, I, I got a programming note here. Are you listening on WDBO? Are you listening down in Orlando, uh, 107.3 or 580 AM? Are you listening to Orlando's News and Talk right now? Uh, you know, I did an event in North Georgia because I got a listener, a lot of listeners on a lot of stations 
around Georgia. And I did an event at the Governor's Gun Club on Friday. Well, this coming Friday, I'm doing one at WDBO in Orlando, Florida. If you want to be part of the live studio audience, I'm even serving lunch at WDBO. You got to go enter to win because there's limited space. What you do is go to WDBO.com, WDBO.com. Look on the contest section. You'll see sections on the website. Click on the sections. Go down to contests. Uh, Actually, I'm sorry. uh, Go down to more and then go down to contests. On the sections tab, you'll see more. Under more, you'll see contests. Under contests, you'll see experience the Eric Erickson show live in studio. Fill out the form. WDBO.com. Click on sections on the website, then go to more, then go to contest. If you want to be in studio with me this coming Friday in Orlando, I will be doing my show live from Orlando, Georgia, or Orlando, Georgia, my gosh, Orlando, Florida, and you can be live while I do my show. Uh, You can hang out with me, get to see me, looking forward to coming down to Orlando. I was going to drive, it's going to drive, but I decided it would be best to fly uh, Charlie didn't want to put up with me in the car for five hours. Yes, Charlie is coming with me. Yes, that's right. So you get to see us both. Uh, and then I got to go take my Uncle Leaf out to dinner on Friday night. Uh, my Uncle Leaf Erickson lives in Winter Park. And that reminds me, I need to text him and make sure he's around on Friday so I can take him out to dinner. Nonetheless, uh, go to WDBO.com, click on the sections, go to more, go to contests, and experience the Eric Erickson Show live in the studio in Orlando, Florida, this coming Friday. If you're interested, you got to register to try to come. Now, I need to tell you, uh, you've got the BOGO deal back at Eden Pure, EdenPureDeals.com. If you put in Eric BOGO, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O, you can buy one, get one free. So you're saving a good bit of money, and when you buy one Eden Pure Thunderstorm, you get one free. But here's what's so cool about it. If you buy two Eden Pure Thunderstorms, how many do you get free? Two. If you buy five Eden Pure Thunderstorms, how many do you get free? Five. It's the Eric Bogo offer. You buy one, you get one for free. What does this thing do? It eliminates odors. If you have a musty house, if you have pet litter box odors, if you have cigar smoke odors, listen, I know from the cigar odors, I am a living proof witness, or fry odors in your kitchen, you fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and it wipes out those odors. Now, it gets rid of the dust and the pollen and the mold of the bacteria as well. It is an air purifier. It's filterless, no filter subscription. But what I use it for, is wiping out odors. If I go to a hotel and someone's been smoking in the hotel room or I get a rental car and someone's been smoking, plug that sucker up. You could use a USB cord in a car or plug it directly into a wall. It will wipe out those odors, make it smell good as new. What you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. You will be greeted by a discount code box on the very front page of that website, and you put in Eric Bogo, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O, at EdenPureDeals.com. Eric Bogo is the discount code. Buy one, get one free. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this program, this hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide. They can help your business grow. Big loan, $750,000 or more. They want to help you. I actually got to see Brant Frost, uh, the fourth, uh, who owns First Liberty. He was at my bourbon at the range event at uh, Governor's Gun Club in Kennesaw, Georgia. Just a a wonderful family, good Christian guy. Um, One of the things that came up at that event is the Governor's Gun Club got a note from their bank that said 
that they would have their money from the bank within two weeks by certified funds. The bank was closing the gun club's account. Now, you and I interpret that reasonably so that they're doing it because they don't want to do business with a gun company. This is happening around the country as part of the ESG agenda. What the letter actually said was that they were closing the account for unspecified reasons not related to the finances, credit, credit worthiness, lending decisions, or other fiscal issues of the institution, uh, Governor's Gun Club. So they, they, the bank won't say in the letter specifically they're closing this gun club's account because it's a gun club. What they do say is they're closing the account for reasons not related to anything related to the fiscal health, uh, credit worthiness, or anything else of the gun club. Hmm. Now, this gun club has had problems in the past where some banks have been very explicit with them that it was because of guns, but this is a growing trend. Uh, Daniel Defense is down in Savannah, Georgia. They make my, my favorite rifle that I own is a Daniel Defense rifle, and they're running into the same problem. Banks are refusing to do business with gun companies. Insurance companies have for a while now been walking away from them, but banks are refusing to be lenders to or run the checking accounts of uh, gun companies. With Governor's Gun Club, what made it so bad is that the company literally had payroll and bills that it had to pay, and the bank said, we're sending you a certified check. It'll be there within two weeks. How do they pay their bills in those two weeks? when the bank has closed their account. This literally happened. I'm not making this up. I reached out to Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina. He will be in charge of the Senate Banking Committee if the Republicans take back control, which looks likely. And he intends to investigate this because he and his office uh, both tell me that this is a recurring pattern now with gun companies where banks are not specifically saying that they're shutting down business because they're a gun company, but that's what's going on behind the scenes. Now, a lot of people have asked me, will I get the name of the bank? I talked to uh, the folks in charge of Governor's Gun, Gun Club. They're hesitant for me to give a shout out to the bank in large part because the wording of the bank was nebulous enough that they could deny it. Even though we all know what's happening, they could deny it. And Governor's Gun Club is talking to their lawyers uh, to see if they can expose the bank um, before making it public. I, I think we at least need to know that um, although they did not explicitly say it was because they're guns, that's what everybody believes. More and more banks are doing this, and the Republicans in the Senate intend to hold an investigation into what's going on with these banks around the country doing this.